Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Thanks for joining us here for a moment of study in God's prophetic word as we take a look at the book. I hold in my hands a five-hour series entitled Clear and Present Danger. My friend, we need to understand the times in which we're living. There's a fight against creationism. Satan's replacement theology is rampant in our world, and the preparations for ecclesiastical Babylon have been made. In addition to that, the global threat of Islam is reality today, and there is quite a mysterious silence in our churches on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, these are some of the dangers. We're going to listen to the second in our study of a clear and present danger for today. So take a moment with us. Let's listen, and then I'll tell you how you can get your copy of this five-hour series entitled Clear and Present Danger. But let's continue our thinking process on a clear and present danger One of them, at least this morning, in light of the times in which we're living. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, if you will go there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3. In the pastoral epistles, we need to understand what's going on as it relates to the church, as what God's plan is for the church, how Satan has endeavored to replace God's plan. He did that from the very beginning. In chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, he went in misquoting what God had said. In other words, misquoting God's word for the purpose to divert those who God had brought into existence, Adam and Eve, away from the plan that God had for them. That has been Satan's program from the very beginning when he came into existence in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. Now, in order for us then to come to an understanding of what is the true biblical approach to a local church, the governing of that local church, the qualifications for the leadership of that local church. We want to spend a few moments here in the epistles, but go back and look at the example in the book of Acts. Starting in chapter 3 of the book of 1 Timothy, and in verse 15, we read these words, but if I tarried long, Paul writing to young Timothy, helping him as he would travel from church to church, which Paul had established. And uh, the purpose of Timothy doing that was to encourage the church, first of all, to make certain they had qualified leadership, secondly, and to make certain that they were going to stay true to the doctrine that the Holy Spirit of God had breathed into the Apostle Paul for the purpose of expanding uh, the ministry of the local church and reaching the world for Jesus Christ, which was the plan God instituted when he brought into existence the local church. But if I tarry long, Paul says, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. He's giving instruction right now. This is how I want you to be able to live in light of what I'm telling you, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, not the source of truth. Some have come to believe that the church is the source of truth. That is incorrect. The Holy Spirit of God, who breathed into some 40 men over 1,500 years, 66 books, gave us the Word of God, and the source was God Himself who dispatched the Holy Spirit to inspire or breathe into these men to give us the oracles of God. But He said the church, God's church that He established, 
is that pillar and that ground for the truth, the protectorate for the truth that he has given. Slip over to verse 1 of chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that phrase, without going into a lot of exegesis or explanation, would probably indicate the time in which we're living, especially in light of what it's going to say. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils are doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In the latter days, in the times, and in fact, Jesus Christ confirmed that, he talked about in Matthew 24 when asked to give the Jewish disciples that were traveling with him some signs of how it would be in the end times when he would come back, not for the rapture of the church. We're not looking for signs for the rapture. We're listening for a sound for the rapture. But the Jew is given, they require a sign, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. So Jesus was giving them some signs and one of the things he said, there will be false teachers that will appear on the scene. And now Timothy gets the message from Paul to confirm what Jesus Christ had to say. Be prepared because there are going to be false spirits, false teachers. They will have as they hypocritically lie to you and seduce you with this false truth, supposed truth. They're going to be propagating doctrines of demons. I had to entitle what we're going to be thinking about this morning. I would call it Satan's Replacement Theology. Satan's Replacement Theology. God had a plan. God instituted the plan. And Satan moved in to pervert the plan of God to accomplish ultimately his goal. Let's just for a moment inspect the truth. I'm very impressed with the way the U.S. Treasury works. Those people who are responsible for detecting uh, counterfeit money, they never study all the different types of ways to counterfeit money or even look at counterfeit money. The way they approach their understanding of what is counterfeit and what is not is they simply look at the real thing. And by looking continually at the real thing, then when they see something that is not the real thing, they recognize it immediately. Our purpose in teaching the Word of God should be that we develop a grid, a biblical grid within our thinking process, so that when we see something that does not fit into that grid, it sends up a red flag. We notice that. And then it doesn't mean, actually, that maybe it's not correct, but at least the red flag is there. Let's investigate pretty deeply on this to see whether this is correct or not. Does it conform itself to the Word of God? And so as we approach Satan's replacement theology, why don't we set the grid properly and let's look at the church and how it came into existence. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is a record of the fourth of the spring feast after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, these feasts, the seven Jewish feasts, beginning with Passover, then unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, those are the four Jewish feasts in the spring. And then in the fall, you have the Feast of Tabernacles, 
the feast of the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, and then you have the feast, uh, excuse me, the, you have the Feast of Trumpets, then the Feast of Yom Kippur, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus Christ, by the way, uh, fulfilled those first four feasts in the proper day sequences. He was crucified on Passover. He resurrected, on, he was buried on unleavened bread. He resurrected on first fruits, which let me just give you this caveat. The Orthodox Jew today does not celebrate first fruits. It's one of the seven feasts God gave to them to celebrate on a yearly basis, but they do not celebrate any longer first fruits because Jesus Christ resurrected on first fruits, which would be the Sunday following the Passover. And of course, that's the time that he resurrected from the, uh, from the dead and he came back to life to prove he was the Messiah who he said he was. Fifty days after first fruits, the Feast of Pentecost takes place. And as he had promised in John chapter 16, I must go, but when I go, I will send the Spirit of truth to you who will teach you things to come. And on the day of Pentecost, right on schedule, the Holy Spirit of God dispatched from the heavenlies came down to baptize those who came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior into the body of Christ, into the quote, quote, church. In the chapter two, it's a great study sometime. You might want to look through it. We'll look at it again uh, before we conclude our studies this week. But I want you to notice what happened. There was a great evangelistic meeting. The disciples were there. Peter was the one who stood up and spoke. He gave the gospel message. He laid out, actually, the history, as did Jesus. Remember on the road to Damascus, when those two men were walking along with them, saying, within our hearts we did burn, it was because Jesus started at Moses, went through the prophets, and told them everything there was to know about him from the Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament to deal with. And they were able to come to know Christ. Now, Peter follows that same pattern. He preaches the gospel message, and a number of people get saved. If you have chapter 2, look here at verse 41. Then they that get gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, we know those are good, saved people because the Holy Spirit of God is reporting it. We have uh, some vehicles of reporting how many may get saved in some of our meetings. Some stand up and brag about what has happened. You know, we really don't know uh, with absoluteness uh, anybody who's come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Sometimes we even prove what we did was correct because people got saved. That's a dangerous statement to make. We don't know that's the case. But when the Holy Spirit of God breathes into Dr. Luke, there were 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. We know that is absolutely correct. Look at verse 40. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as were saved. And so he's going to establish the church. One of the ingredients we see in the local church would be they had to be saved people. I remember when Vance Havner used to come to the conferences at Word of Life, mostly up in Scroon Lake. Dr. Havner, who had traveled so many years and mostly in Southern Baptist churches, made this statement about his own denomination. He said, I've been in almost every major Baptist church in America, plus many, many others in the hinterlands. And he said, I would stand to tell you 65% of all church members in these churches don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're lost on their way to hell. I'm not sure that that was an absolute correct statement. 
I heard what Dr. Havner said, but I would venture to say there's not a lot of churches that have church members that every single one of them are saved. In this church that was established, 3,000 added that first day. They were added to the church all that should be saved. Thank you for spending the time studying the prophetic word of God with us. The series that we have been listening to, or at least a portion of it, is entitled Clear and Present Danger. I talk about the fight against creationism, Satan's replacement theology, preparations for ecclesiastical Babylon, the global threat of Islam, and the mysterious silence of the church about the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you would like to get your copy, you can call our toll-free number at 877-674-3298. Now that number is toll free from across America. Let me give it to you again, 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, go to the shopping mall, and you can order this series, Clear and Present Danger, online. By the way, as you study through this five-hour series on issues that we are dealing with today, you will come to the realization that the return of Jesus Christ could be very, very close at hand. Now, that's the second coming back to Jerusalem. But seven years before, that's the rapture of the church. And actually, that could happen at any moment. There's nothing left for me to say then, except let's keep looking up until...